0: The following audio is from Grace City Church in San Diego, California. More information about Grace City Church is available at gracetysd.com.
1: Now in these days, when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. And the twelve summoned the full number of the disciples and said, It is not right that we should keep up preaching the Word of God to serve tables. a proselyte of Antioch. These they set before the apostles, and they prayed and laid their hands on them, and the word of God continued to increase, and the number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priest, priests came, became obedient to the faith. Let's pray. Father God, we come before you today. We just want to acknowledge. This. We just want to acknowledge your grace, and this time that you allowed to happen, Lord, for us to gather to hear your word and to know you more, God. May you help us open our hearts, surrender them to you and what you are going to teach us today. Be with Randall as he speaks, and be with us as we hear and listen to your word. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: All right. Good morning, everybody. Okay, if you've got your Bibles, we're going to be in Acts 6, 1 through 7, you can turn there. If I haven't met you yet, I'm Randall, I'm the lead pastor of Grace City, it's great to see you this morning, and uh, I'm guessing the wind is just going to be pretty intense here, so I'm going to close this for a minute. Um, But we've been in the book of Acts uh, this year, and we've been walking verse by verse through, and today we're in Acts 6, 1 through 7. And before we jump into that, I I just want to say that um, I'm excited about the equipping classes that are happening. You know, uh, the heart of who we are as a church is that we want to equip you with practical things that will help you to live out your faith. And what you're going to see in today's text is that there are disciples of Jesus. And and so what we've seen before is that there were people who were like pseudo-disciples, right? But the, when it talks today in the text, this is the first time it talks about disciples. Um, and a disciple is somebody who commits themselves to the ways of Jesus, to the life of Jesus. And so that's the type of church we want to be in. So there, we're going to do different equipping classes. And, and so today, um, my friend and... And uh, Coach uh, Bob Klein and his wife, Karen, are going to be doing the, the class today. So if you're in that dating phase, we encourage you to jump into that, sign up. And also we have a marriage one coming up in a couple weeks. Um, but we want to help you to, to walk with Jesus in every aspect of your life. And so that's why we do these classes. So I wanted to share that before we jump into today. Um, okay, so we're in Acts 6, 1 through 7. And today's message is this. Set apart to serve, set apart to serve. What does it look like to be a disciple of Jesus? Well, it's a life of service. How did Jesus describe leadership in the kingdom of God? When Matthew 20, 25 through 28, he says this to his disciples, he says, you know, the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them. And their great ones exercise authority over them. It shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be your slave. Even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. What we know about Jesus is Jesus is the Son of God, but he is God incarnate, God in the flesh. And Jesus says, why did I come? I came to serve. And there was a culture within the, the world in which the disciples lived in, which I think can be relatable to us today. It's this, that, that when it comes to leadership, many times it's not about being ser- or a servant, but being served about lifting ourselves up. And Jesus is coming against this culture of raising yourself up to be served and saying, no, to be a leader in the kingdom of God. And really what it means to be a disciple is to to live a life of service. Now, what we've seen over this past month in the book of Acts is that the leadership of the time, the Sanhedrin, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, They were using and abusing their power to try and control the people. And like we looked at last week, Tertullian, who is a early church father, said it was the blood of the the martyrs that was the seed of the church. It was a sacrifice of, of true disciples that led to the growth of the church and what it became. And many times this type of sacrifice started with the leaders. And so as we saw, we saw Peter, we saw John preaching the gospel, being put in prison, even receiving harm physically to themselves for preaching the gospel. Why were they willing to put themselves through this? It's because they ultimately saw their Savior, Jesus, and that Jesus suffered. And so they took that as a part of what their life would be as disciples. There will be suffering. There will be challenges. It won't be easy. And there's a world that's looking and seeing this. Now, 19th century uh, French military and political leader, Napoleon Bonaparte, he said this. He said, Alexander, Caesar, Charlemagne, and I have founded empires. But on what did we rest the creations of our genius? Upon force. Jesus Christ founded his empire upon love. And at this hour, millions of men would die for him. See, we have one that we talked about last week, the great leader, Jesus, that's gone before us. And so now leadership in the kingdom of God is is different than the kingdom of this world. See what it is, it's being set apart to serve. And So again, our text is from Acts 6, 1 through 7. and, And here's the question. Why did the early church need more leaders, servant leaders, And what type of leaders did they choose? Because that's what we see in Acts 6, okay? And so we're going to break that down. And and what we see here is there's a rising issue that happens. There's a call to serve. And there's a renewed focus. A rising issue, a call to serve, a renewed focus that happens, okay? So the first point is this, a a rising issue. Look at verse 1. In those days when the number of disciples was increasing, the Hellenistic Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of the food. Now first, what we see here is this growing church, right? And, it's, and like I said, in those days when the number of disciples was increasing, so they were true disciples of Jesus, there's, there's radical change. God is moving in people's hearts. Lives are being changed because of the work of the Holy Spirit. God is saving people. But second, what we see is this. As as the church is starting to form, that does not mean that the church is immune from the old structures and old systems and old ways that can start to creep in. Right? And, And so what happens is there's an issue that starts to surface in the church. It says the Hellenistic Jews, among them, complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So this is important for us to understand. So the Hellenistic Jews, what happened was Pentecost happened, and, and so people, Jews from all over the world started to come into Jerusalem. And so these are Greek-speaking Jews that were from all over the world. And then there's the Hebraic Jews that were their home base. You you, you might call them like locals, right? They're locals, they're in Jerusalem. And so they speak Aramaic and you've got the Hellenistic Jews who speak Greek. And so what happens is there's this divide that that starts to, to happen within the church because the people that are speaking the native tongue, Aramaic, are getting a little bit more of the share than the people who don't speak the native language. And here's something we need to understand. And you'll see it all through the book of Acts. The church is filled with people. And people still struggle with sin. Right? The the church, even the early church, right? The one that we say, we want to go back and we want to look at the early church. We want to be like the early church. The early church... What's not perfect? There's an already and a not yet. You know what I mean by that? Like when Jesus saves us, looks at us, we are made righteous. There's a there's a there's a already like part of that, that when when God looks at us, I am made righteous in Jesus. But there's a not yet. There's still some things that he's working out in my life. There's still some areas where he's growing me and showing me and convicting me of my personal sin. The Holy Spirit, right, is convicting me of personal sin. And this is happening in the life of believers. And so we don't, we're not a perfect people yet, but we serve a perfect God. And this perfect God is going to come into our lives and show us areas that we weren't seeing previously. Andy Crouch said this, he says, In every place there is bondage and bitterness, places where something is wrong. Who makes wrongs right? God. And God comes into those deep crevices of our heart and starts to show us the areas where there's an ugliness of sin, maybe of partiality, favoritism, prejudice, See, these things are starting to arise in the early church and needed to be addressed. And many times where it happens, where these types of things are revealed, it's in deep community. It's in deep community that we start to recognize the deep-seated sin that is still within us. See, God is exposing it here in this community. And out of all the communities, this should be a very safe community for that to be exposed and addressed. Right? We can start to, we can acknowledge it or ignore it. And what we see here is that the early church acknowledges that this is happening. What we see here is this was a safe enough place to say, hey, there's some distributions that are happening here that aren't, aren't fair. We're not taking... Very good care of, of the Hellenistic Jews here. There's, a, there's an issue that, that's here that needs to be solved. And so instead of standing back, the church leans in and says, We're going to solve that issue. See, in many ways, what happens in this community of believers is that, again, it reveals our hearts. I remember very early on in, in the church in Great City, we were meeting in a backyard, we would do Bible studies. And I remember it was just a few of us and, and we were talking and and one of the guys looked at the other guy and he said, If it he said, I need to confess this, if it wasn't for Jesus, I probably would have never been your friend. He's like, You come from a different background, you you don't really, you know, think the same way I do. He said But what God has revealed in my heart is the prejudice that were in my heart. He said, if I knew you when I was like before I was a Christian, he said, I wouldn't want anything to do with you. And I'm so thankful that God has shown me those areas in my heart. And they were like able to talk through this. And there was like this this bond and this relationship and this friendship that happened. But they were able to acknowledge it and address it and get closer from it. See, why is this important to understand? See, there will always be issues that will start to be exposed within the church because of sin. But the question is this, are we going to address it, deal with it in a godly way? Or are we going to ignore it Because ignoring it, here's what happens. It hijacks the mission and the purpose of the church. That's what's at stake here. That's what's at stake. And we're gonna see it kind of followed through all the way to the end here, but that's where you gotta like lean in and say, okay, this has to be addressed. This is a big deal. So next, the 12 gathered the disciples together. And and so here's what what it says. It says, this is a call to serve a call to serve. Verses two through five. So the 12 gathered all the disciples together and said, it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. Brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them and we'll give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. This proposal pleased the whole group. And so the first part is this, there's this, this call to serve, right? So, so that the 12 gathered all the disciples together and they addressed it in this way. They first said this, that that it's not right for them to neglect the ministry of the word of God. The apostles, right, specifically for them, they understood their specific calling. It's not a better calling. It's just a specific calling. And I do want to encourage you with this, that God has created you and made you in a way to serve him. To serve him. In a way that maybe somebody else is not called to serve. But to see your life as one where you say, God, this is all service to you is very important. And understanding what that is is very important as well. And so here's the thing. The the apostles, they saw what the need was, and they they said, that's a legitimate need. That's a legitimate need. Uh, here's the thing. Caring for the outcast is a part of the heart of God. We live in a world that loves to close the door on people. If they don't look like us, act like us. We love to close the door. Recently, uh, you know, I was, I was taking my kids to... Uh, a pool, and there was a person there standing, staring at my my family. And they look over and they say, this is an adults-only pool. just Just enjoyed, like, sharing that with my family. I was like, okay, cool. Like, you know, we're like, all right, well, that's fine. But there is a world that we live in that just enjoys saying, you're not allowed to be in here, right? You're not allowed to be here. In the church? Come on in. It's the heart of God. Come on in. You weary? You struggling? You lost? Come on in. Deuteronomy 10, 18 says this. He defends, God defends the cause of the fatherless and the widow and loves the foreigner residing among you, giving them food and clothing. This is the heart of our God. Daryl Bach, who's a commentator on this text, says these texts suggest that a community's compassion could and should be measured by how it cares for the poor, the orphan and the widow. So the issue is important to the community's character and credibility as a place where concern is met with action. It's not just talking about it. It's just not knowing about it. It's about action and loving the least of these. So what happens next? Well, the apostles delegate the responsibility over to trusted people, and I love the way they do it because here's what they say. They said, um, "We we we shouldn't neglect the word to wait tables." They they didn't they didn't like boost up this responsibility, right? Like it was going to be like, oh, you're just going to have the best time doing this. They, they didn't they didn't like make it something that it wasn't, right? They said, you're going to be waiting tables. That's what it's going to look like. And now who are the godly people among us that we're going to pick to do this, to wait tables, right? It wasn't like just trying to like convince people like, yeah, this is going to be the best thing in the world that you're going to be doing. But no, you're going to be waiting tables. Okay, who are the godly ones among us that want to take on this responsibility? Because this is really important. What this is saying is you're going to get into those places that are really difficult, hard. That's what it looks like to be a leader in the kingdom of God is when you are, are rubbing shoulders with others and willing to, to set up, tear whatever it takes now, who are the godly ones among us? It says, brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. It says, we will turn over this responsibility over to them and we'll give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. This proposal pleased the whole group. What was this calling? What did this call look like? It was a call to serve It says that they should be full of the Spirit and wisdom. Full of the Spirit and wisdom. I'll get into this later, but many times what we look for, many times for leaders, is we don't look for full of the Spirit and wisdom. We look for are they charismatic? Can they draw a crowd? Serving in the kingdom of God is saying, I'll do the lowest of the low responsibility. I remember one time I was, I was in youth ministry, and there's this kid that came up to me. He, uh, he, he said, uh, Randall, I want to be a leader in this youth ministry. I want to be a leader in the youth group. And it was a camp, and I was like, cool, man. Um, guys, dorm, let's go clean the restrooms. He didn't show up. Say you're not ready to be a leader, man. You're not ready. It's being willing to take on those tasks that nobody else wants to do. And it's a calling. It's a calling that you're willing to do that. Responsibility. And so lastly, a renewed focus. Verses five through seven. They chose Stephen, a man full of the faith and the Holy Spirit, also Philip, Procurus, Nicanor, Timon, Perminius, and Nicholas from Antioch, a convert to Judaism. They presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. So the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly, and a large number of the priests became obedient to the faith. What we see here is this mixed leadership team. It's, it's some are Hellenistic Jews. Some are Hebraic Jews. They're all working together. They're all teaming up. Why? Because there's this renewed focus on what matters. On what matters. We live in a world that wants to divide us, separate us. But in the body of Christ, we have a unity in Jesus he brings us together in ways that that could have never been possible on our own. And so we see this beautiful tapestry, beautiful group of leaders that are coming together here. And we're going to see this continue, expand and grow it Doesn't just stop here. It says, verse five, they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, also Philip. Now, what we need to understand about this is we're going to keep following through the book of Acts. And we're going to see Stephen in the next, this next section here, kind of what happens to Stephen. But then we're going to see Philip later. And. Luke is, is very intentional. Like we've talked about, Luke is a doctor. So he's, he's like very technical in the way that he's writing down the history of, of the early church and how things are happening here. And, and so there is like this focus that we see here that, that's happening. But we, we got to ask, like, how did they become full of faith and of the Holy Spirit? It was because God was real in their life because God was real in their life. Again, I was sitting with my my coach, Bob, this week. We're just talking. We're just like wrestling, right? Like I'm like how how do how do you live as a as a leader that's that's that lives with integrity, that lives for the Lord, that 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 that, that runs the race, that lives, finishes the race. See, so many tapping out. One of the stats that I saw recently was that 70% of pastors, they're they're ready to tap out. They're looking for other work. They're like, this this season, this time, it's it's a really difficult time. So I I said, Bob, how, how do you do it? What he says is, Men don't make men righteous. God makes men righteous. Only the living God saves lovers of themselves from themselves. And it just stuck to me because I was like, man, Lord, it has to be you. It has to be you. But here's the thing about being a leader. Here's the thing about being a Christian. It never stops being about faith. They were full of faith at the Holy Spirit. We're going to be seeing men, women stepping up, serving Christ in extraordinary ways. How is that possible? Because we are called to live a life of faith. And it's people that are filled with the Holy Spirit. It's God that does it in our lives. And so for me and for you, it never stops being a journey of faith and trusting God and putting our faith in God. What happens lastly is this. They presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. So the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly, and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. The amazing part about this is this. A large number of priests became obedient to the faith. The, the ones who had the education, the ones who were, were the ones who the world looked at and said, these are the leaders and they, they could have held on to control like we talked about before. Many of them had probably publicly rejected the disciples at some point or another. But at this point, they've been humbled by what God is doing. And they're coming to faith. And they're listening to these uneducated fishermen, like they talked about earlier. Remember the idiotes. (laughs) They're listening to those guys. Because those guys' life wasn't wrapped up in themselves. It was wrapped up in Jesus. And God was saving a large number of people that we thought, could they even be saved? Could they even be saved? There was a renewed focus by the church. Friends, if we don't address real issues, I've seen this happen. If we don't talk about things that 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 what it really means to be a disciple of Jesus, what happens is the mission of the church continues to get hijacked. And it's happened so many times where there's churches that are arguing about the color of a carpet than they are about saying, how can we live out the gospel and share the love of Jesus with people? I hear it time and time again. And I think in many ways what's happening again is this, that there is this great reckoning that we have to take as the church and saying, where have we wasted time, resources? Where have we not addressed real issues? And we've lost our witness to people in a world that's dying and that needs the gospel. We need a renewed focus like we see here and it's being willing to address these things. And so what can we learn about life in God's church? The first one is this, address real issues, address real issues. One of the things that, um, that I do is I try to keep learning and growing. And recently I was in this preaching masterclass, and it was called Discipling Out Racism. Discipling Out Racism. That's what it was called. You know, and there, there are many things that we can be discipled into. We don't think about it as discipleship, but there are also things that we need to be discipled out of. We need to be discipled into Jesus. We need to be discipled into the ways of Jesus. And it's going to look a lot different than maybe some of the things that we believed inherently or the experiences that we've had in life. Or maybe we were okay with like, yeah, well, the Hellenistic Jews just didn't get as much. As the Hebraic Jews, sorry, locals only. No, that needs to be discipled out of us. And Ricky Jenkins was preaching. He says the church should be the safest place to have the hardest of conversations. It should be the safest place to have the hardest of conversations. And as he was talking, he was talking about time after time after time of things that his family had been through and the trials and the difficulties of being an African-American black man in the United States. And I was just like, wow, wow. Like, we gotta listen. We gotta be, we gotta be sensitive to people and what they're going through and just saying, okay, like, Jesus, help me to be a person that doesn't run from issues or act like they're not there. But comes with the heart of Jesus saying, "Lord, teach me, show me, raise to the surface the things that need to be addressed, so that your church can truly be the bride that it's meant to be. That's meant to be. But secondly, it's this. And I think this is another trap that we've fallen into. But it's it's value Christ likeness over charisma." Christ-likeness over charisma. God gives us in different ways, charisma, all that thing. But but we've fallen into the trap of valuing that over Christ-likeness or making excuses and saying, well, you know, it's not that bad. 2 Peter 1 5 through 8 says this For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness, knowledge, and to knowledge, self control, and to self control, perseverance, and to perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, mutual affection, to mutual affection, love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. I want that. Do you want that? Like, I want that. Our church, like, that that's what we should be growing in is the grace of God. Christ-likeness. I'm not there yet, but Jesus, work in me. Make me a new creation. I don't want to be the old me anymore. I don't want to live with the bitterness or the hatred or the, the anger or any of those things. Lord, change me. I want to be Christ-like. But many times what we do is we just fall for just wanting to be an influencer more than a a disciple. It's not about that. It's not about that. What does it look like to be faithful with the small things and just saying, Lord, help me to be faithful with the small things and to live as Christ and to die as gain? Jesus, help me. Jesus, help me. But lastly, focus on what lasts. Focus on what lasts. Friends, at some point, we're, we're all going to have to face the reality that this life is not going to last. And I think it's better for us to think about that now than it is later. Right? You got this moment. You got this moment right now. How can we live for the kingdom, for eternal things? For the things that are going to last more of the things that are temporary. I, I, was, I was with a friend yesterday and their family. They just lost a close relative. And we were just sitting there just talking about, I mean, he, he told me, he's like, I've gotten to the top of my profession, but you know what, what it is? He says, it's this. They convince you that the top of your profession, you get there. And he says, you know what? I walked into the door and it was empty. I looked inside and it was Empty says, thank God I have a foundation in Jesus and our family has a foundation in Jesus. I don't know how we would make it. Don't fall to, for the trap of empty doors. There are a lot of empty doors out there that you, you think this is, this is gonna make my life great. This is gonna make my life grand. This can gonna make my life so much better, but it's an empty door, empty room, right? nothing inside. Focus on what lasts. And what we see here is the early church saw it as they, they they were willing to address the real issues that were going on and, and they got to the heart of it and they wanted the 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 godly leaders and like okay like and, and we're going to focus on God's mission for us in the world. How's this all possible? Jesus was talking with his disciples. One of the things that was happening was James and John were, were, were pulling their mom into this. They were like, Mom, we need to be leaders. We need to be leaders with Jesus. Jesus' has got some really good things going on. And so we want to be with Jesus. We want to be, you know, we, we think we could be like the second, third in command, like right next to him, kind of hanging out there. And, um, and Jesus heard them arguing about this amongst the disciples. And that's when he got into the whole thing about, like, you got the leaders who lorded over them. And then you, the, I came to serve. And what we have to see is that in many ways, there's a James and John in many of us, right? It's the thing that we want to keep control. We want to be in charge. We want all of those things in our life. There are things that I, I just don't want to serve, Jesus. I don't want to do that. But do you know what melts the heart? Do you know what melts the pride? Do you want to know what melts that control thing that lives inside of us? This is the secret right here. Mark 10, 45. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And to give his life as a ransom for many. Who are the many? Many. You, me, us, who love to be in charge and control of our lives, and we would rather be served than to serve. But when we see our King, King Jesus, coming, serving, humbly serving the least of these, humbly serving and and rubbing shoulders with those who are the outcasts. But not only that, loving us so much that he would go to the cross that he would die, that he would give his life as a ransom for many, that Jesus would be broken so that we could be healed. Friends, it's when we look at Christ. It's not about just, just go be like Jesus. No, no, no. It's see what Jesus has done. Be changed by that. And he will make you a new creation. And he'll make you a new person in a way that you could have never been before. May we be true disciples of Jesus and see what he's done. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you for how we're going to see through the book of Acts how you are addressing these things. And in many ways, it's the Holy Spirit who's addressing the, the deepest, darkest places of our hearts and our lives that no longer do we have to be the same, but we can be transformed into new creations. Lord, make us like Jesus. Humble us, Lord. Help us to serve you. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this resource from Grace City Church. If you found this helpful, feel free to share it and enjoy more resources at gracecitysd.com. Gray City Church exists to equip people with the gospel for everyday life.